everyone, welcome back to Relax with Animal Facts. I am Steph Wolf, and today I am going to be learning with you about our furry, scaly, or possibly even slimy friends. And in today's case, it is definitely going to be a furry friend of ours, because we are covering the oh-so-wonderful Dingo. This is a very special listener episode dedicated to Louisa, who wrote into the show and gave this awesome creature. On the Patreon, you guys voted for this to be the next episode. If you aren't on Patreon already, for $1 a month, you can cast your vote for episodes once a month, and you also get access to a bunch of exclusive content. And so Louisa has also all of you to thank for her very own episode. For how to request your very own episode, you can visit the show notes or the description, or you can wait until the end in which I will cover all of that. Now there is one podcast that I would like to share with all of you. I don't tend to share things on the podcast unless I think that all of you would actually enjoy it. And this podcast is called Little Curiosities. It's hosted by Kendall Long, who is actually a longtime listener of this podcast. It is basically a science podcast that talks about all of those things that spark our curiosity. I am sure many of the things that we have covered on this show. So each week she will go with you guys on an adventure of research and scientific exploration. She wants to help other like-minded people who are curious of nature and the wonders of our world discover everything there is to know about these little mysteries. And so I encourage all of you to go listen to the show, follow the show. As I've said, Kendall is a long-time listener of this podcast, meaning she is part of the Animal Podcast family. I'll leave some links in the description, and I look forward to seeing how her podcast grows. A huge shout out to George Vlad, who is the reason why we can have such awesome ambiances on the show. The nature sounds that you will hear in this episode are courtesy of him, and so I encourage you to check out his work in the description or the show notes. And now we are going to begin to slow down a little bit. If you are new, I welcome you with open arms. If you are returning, I am so happy that you are with me again today. I have three things that I would like to ask of you. The first is that you put on a pair of hiking shoes that are breathable. We are going to be needing those for where we are going today. And the second thing I exhort you to do is to notice perhaps where you are carrying some tension. Maybe you're not quite sure of where you are holding that tension. What helps for me and might help you is to start from the bottom of the feet and just slowly make your way up to the top of the head. You might notice you are shrugging your shoulders, clenching your hands. All of us here are different, but my exhortation to you is the same. Do your best to relax whatever it is that is tense for you. Bring into your imagination some jello. It can be whatever color you want. So think of that red, green, yellow jello and do your best to imitate it. And the third thing I encourage you to do is to give your mind permission to wander and journey with me into an Australian forest where the dingo resides.
Well, once again, here we are in Australia. I feel as though for half of the episodes on this podcast, I can just open with welcome back, everyone. And the reason we are here listening to the wildlife of Australia and to possibly some great Australian accents is because the dingo is Australia's wild dog. That is what it is mostly known as, but we must keep in mind that the dingo is also found in Southeast Asia. Now, you might be thinking, how in the world did this wild dog get here? Australia is not exactly the most easily accessible place on Earth. Well, it is posited by researchers that they were introduced to the continent some time ago, probably by Asian seafarers. So sailors from Asia brought these dogs with them and introduced them to this island. That is the current hypothesis. Now, the common name of this animal is dingo, of course, but their scientific name is one of a few. It was hard to find a source that was using the same scientific name, sometimes Canis familiaris, sometimes Canis familiaris dingo, Canis dingo, or Canis lupus dingo. Now, the majority of sources used the scientific name Canis lupus dingo. In Latin, that is translated as dog wolf dingo. We are going to cover what the word dingo means at the end of the show, as we always do. Now, this creature is a mammal. They are carnivorous in their diet, meaning they eat nearly exclusively animal material. And we'll dig deep into their diet in a moment. They are about the size of a medium-sized dog, its head and body being between three and a half to four feet tall and their tail being from between 12 to 13 inches. They will weigh 22 to 33 pounds, which is around 10 to 15 kilograms. And so I am sure that many of you listening have little furry friends at home that would match closely to this description. And it makes sense given that this is, in fact, a dog. The female dingoes and the male dingoes are going to differ slightly, the females being smaller than the males in both weight and height, an aspect of their species that is not at all exclusive to them. This difference is quite a common one among species. In Australia, the dingo is the largest land predator and is considered to be an apex predator. Now, what makes a predator an apex predator is when the animal has no predators of its own. It is at the top of its food chain. Below them in the food chain are going to be those things which they hunt, including small game like rabbits, birds, rodents, and lizards. But they do sometimes eat fruits and plants as well. Given the fact that they are opportunistic hunters, they will sometimes also scavenge food from humans, though this kind of behavior is more prevalent in the Southeast Asia range than it is in the Australian range. And the dingo that sports a golden or a reddish color will either be living alone or in a pack of up to 10 other dingoes. In their lifetime, they will roam around large distances and communicate with one another. Given that this is a dog, 
A large mode of communication is going to be through howls and barks. And one important thing to cover is what is meant by them scavenging from humans. This does not just mean picking up garbage that people leave, but they have been known to prey on livestock. Given that they are the size of a medium-sized dog, they will oftentimes prey on livestock that are smaller, going after the calves rather than the full-grown adults. And so the dingo in many places is considered to be a pest more than some exotic creature. When the Europeans settled in Australia, the dingoes preyed primarily on their sheep and on their chickens, leading to a retaliation by the settlers and pushing their range farther out from their settlements. The Australian government has actually erected a dingo fence that extends 3,488 miles, or about 5,614 kilometers. This fence, by 1885, was going all the way through South Australia, New South Wales, and Queensland. And it is interesting to note that while this dog is considered to be wild, they can be tamed and have been tamed by Australian Aboriginal peoples. A scientific name of the dingo, after all, is Canis familiaris, which means in Latin, family dog. That is pretty cool. And so in the Australian bush, they're going to be traveling around sometimes in packs and sometimes solo, as we have already learned. And they will form a hierarchy of dominance, as is nearly always the case. A dominant female and her mate will lead the pack, with the dominant male as the ultimate pack leader. The members of the pack take care of the dominant female's young. The dominant female actually does not allow any of the other offspring of the other females in the pack to survive. We see this sort of behavior in many primates, though it is often perpetrated by the dominant male, not the dominant female. And the dingo is also a territorial animal. This might not be a surprise for many of you dog owners out there. It is important to note, though, that while the dingo is a territorial animal, they don't often spend time fighting over that territory with other packs, and their territory will oftentimes be around their birthplace. Just like all of the other animals that we have covered on the show already, the dingo has an important role to play in terms of its environment. Being an apex predator is not just advantageous to that predator, but oftentimes also to the environment. They ensure that the fine balance in their ecosystem is maintained. In addition to being a population controller of those creatures that feed on all of the plant life, they also will prey on some feral animals, and this in turn increases the survival rates of native species. So they are an important part of their ecosystem, and they are also an important part when it comes to traditions of some of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. They hold a significant place in the spiritual and cultural practices of these peoples. But a quick reminder that if you were ever to be traversing the Australian bush or the Australian wild, 
While they might look like cuddly dogs, they can be very dangerous. We are going to be going over in just a moment some of the ways in which you can avoid getting into conflict with these creatures. But before we go into that, let's talk about the dingo puppies. Dingoes will choose to have their pups in caves or in enlarged rabbit warrens or hollow logs. They will breed during springtime and the females will give birth to usually between four to five puppies, but sometimes giving birth to as many as ten at once. And in terms of their lifespan, the longest time any individual dingo has been recorded to live is 18 years and seven months. And so we can infer from that perhaps an average. One would guess that it would be somewhere between 10 to 14 years of age if the longest time is 18 years and 7 months. And so here I'm going to go over some things to be dingo safe, as the government of Australia calls it. These are things to do or not to do in Australia as regards the dingo. The first thing is to never feed dingoes. Dingo attacks on humans are actually relatively rare, but when they are habituated to humans by constant feeding by tourists or others, the likelihood of attacks on humans increases significantly. You want to walk in groups and carry a stick with you. Who doesn't love a good stick when they are walking around in the Australian bush? You can pretend to be an Australian old wizard of some kind, carrying around a staff if you'd like. This article also encourages people not to run. Running or jogging can trigger a negative dingo interaction. If you decide to camp in Australia, camping in a fenced area when possible is a good idea. If you bring any food with you to camp or anything like that, making sure that it is not spilling everywhere so that they can smell it and come is a good idea. It is also a good idea not to store food or food containers in the tents that you sleep in and not bringing food to lake shores. Some of this advice applies to many different animals. For example, in Canada, if you are camping in an area that has bears, you never want to leave food just out willy-nilly. Bears, like dingoes, have a very good sense of smell. And so this advice is good for more than just dingoes. And so now let us talk about what the name dingo means. The dingo, or the Australian wild dog, was given this name around 1789. It is a native Australian name that comes from a language that was formerly spoken in the area of Sydney, and it basically means tame dog. So this is what the native Australian term means, even though the English uses it to describe wild Australian dogs. As we learned before, aboriginals in the area of Australia had experience in taming these dogs that we consider to be wild. And so it would only make sense that they would name this dog a tame one. And the charity for this episode is the Australian Dingo Foundation. This is a team of dedicated volunteers that ensures their well-being and provides a high quality of care for the resident animals. It is a discovery sanctuary and research center. 
They do a lot of good work. It is dingofoundation.org. If you want to support this charity, I will put it in the show notes or the description and you can check it out. And now let us move on to the review of the episode. Today's review was written by The Bald Mustache, which is a great name. And this user is writing all the way from the United States of America. And Bald Mustache writes, Listen to this almost every day, and it's always a highlight in my day. Thank you, The Bald Mustache, for a very short and sweet review. Your name is an interesting one because it is almost like saying the noiseless racket. It is a funny paradoxical name. If you enjoy the show or it has helped you, leaving a review like the bald mustache did is one of the biggest things that you can do. You don't have to be bald or have a mustache to leave a review either, at least not at the time of this recording. Leaving a review helps the show get better, it helps more people find it, and so we have a larger podcast family, and I thank all of you for continuing to do so, and sharing it, and following it, and doing all of that. If you would like to request an animal for the show, go to relaxwithanimalfacts.com and click on the Animal Request tab. If you would like to reach out to me for any other reason, you can do so by sending an email to relaxwithanimalfacts at gmail.com or by sending a message to relaxwithanimalfacts on Instagram. To vote on new episodes and to get exclusive content, you can go to patreon.com slash relaxwithanimalfacts. The ambiance that was used in this episode is courtesy of George Vlad, whose work is linked in the description, and I encourage all of you to check it out. The facts that were used in today's episode came from LiveScience.com, Britannica.com, Environment.des.gld.gov, EtimOnline.com, and NationalGeographic.com. All of those resources are in the show notes or the description, and I encourage you to check them out. What a cool creature we have covered today. Australia's wild dog. A dog that supposedly was at one time a foreigner to Australia is now claimed as its very wild dog. An animal that is said to have been a total stranger to Australia at one time is now its very own dog. Thank you all for joining me on this episode. I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have. And I look forward to seeing you all on the next podcast episode with the next animal. Take care.